You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat and stay up to date. Hi there, you listen to the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today I'm going back over to Tennessee and I'm speaking to a fantastic artist called Andrew Hobson. Hi Andrew. Hey. How are you doing? Doing good, how are you? I'm good. It's it's starting to get dark here and it's starting to get a bit horrible. It's, it's always foggy here. What's it like in Tennessee where you are? At the moment, it, uh, the sky is actually pretty clear right now. Uh, not a cloud in the sky. Fairly sunny, actually. Starting to get colder here, though. Uh, I'd say it's probably like 65 degrees outside right now, though. Yeah, that sounds perfect. I'd love that. It's, it's probably about 40 here. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's about, for us uh, in the UK, in Celsius, we've been having about 10 degrees Celsius. So zero degrees is, what, 30, 37 Fahrenheit, 36 Fahrenheit, something like that. Excellent, yeah. Uh, so add an extra 10, 12 onto that. That's what we're on at the moment. So it's about late 40s, early 50s. I'd sooner be where you are right now. <laughs> so we'll go into Newton Neon in a minute. And I just I just want to know, I've been reading a little bit about you and it tells me about how you've been adopted by a single mother and you've gone through that system there. How's that been for you? My birth father, let's see, he, he actually lives in Kentucky. Yeah. And, my birth mother, she does not actually live very far from me, honestly, but uh, she doesn't know that. And uh, I probably don't plan on ever uh, allowing her to figure that out. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure she probably will one day, but uh, yeah. Uh, I've also got me and uh, my brother Matthew, he's the one that uh, is with us. Uh, I actually have a uh, younger brother by the same mom and dad that was, uh, uh, after I was adopted, uh, they didn't, I mean, uh, my mom now, she didn't know about him. So, uh, he didn't get adopted, but he, I've actually met with him, uh, when he was, let's see, I think he was like 15 or 16 and I was 18, I think when I went up there. So no, I was 19, I think. Yeah. yeah I was, so he, uh, I drove to, uh, Kentucky. He lives in Harlan, Kentucky. And uh, I drove up there and met him. And uh, I actually met my birth father up there as well, which was not the intention, but it happened. And uh, I had no clue who he was at first. But see, like, <clears throat> I don't know, like a lot of people, I feel like uh, that have had similar situations, like they would, they, they react different. But for me, uh, this is my family who's here, like who everybody I have with me now. So, yeah. Uh, and like, I was interested in meeting my younger brother, uh, but everybody else was like, uh, they're like total strangers to me, but see, like, I guess that situation, just being up there and being around them all. I mean, they were all pretty emotional and stuff because they had seen me when I was a baby, but I've never, you know, seen them. I have no memory of them whatsoever. So, uh, I mean, it's just like meeting total strangers and not understanding why they're so upset. But yeah. I mean, I mean, I, it, it's hard to explain because, like, you you want to think that somebody's like, I don't know, would be emotional about stuff like that, but I'm not at all. Like, because it, it's literally just total strangers to me. Yeah, I don't know. 
and by Adam more knowing himself. So. I, I suppose that helps, you know, for the fact that you were so young as well. And the the yeah. reason why I I don't want I don't want to sound like kind of blunt about everything, you know, how I said that. Uh, I I've, I've always been brought up around foster children. Uh, my parents mm-hmm. always used to foster. So I understand the whole process of children moving between different families and, you know, eventually mm-hmm. being adopted. So I understand, you know, processes from start to finish. And I yeah. know how difficult and how life-changing it can be. And, you know, mm-hmm. what was it from that that actually allowed you to pursue what you're doing now in such a fantastic fashion? <clears throat> well, um, I mean, as far as I know, uh, my dad wanted to play music and uh, still probably does or tries to uh, anyways. Uh, his dad actually got to play, uh, which would have been my grandfather. Uh, I would assume this was probably before I was born. I'm not sure when this happened, but he played a lot of bluegrass and uh, he was actually a minister at a, a Southern Baptist church in Kentucky and played a lot of bluegrass and he actually got to play on stage with George Jones a long time ago and like some pretty popular, uh, uh, bluegrass artists, which I mean, right here where I'm at, where I live is just eat up with bluegrass. I mean, all all the big names in bluegrass were from right here where I'm at. Um, in fact, uh, Ralph Stanley, he just passed away a few years ago. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he was pretty, pretty, well-known in the bluegrass community and uh, pretty well-known for being one of the best banjo players that ever lived is what they say. But he uh, he just lived like right up in Virginia, not very far from me. And, uh, I mean, there's, there's actually several people uh, in music, like even country today, that are like actually from right here where I'm at. Uh, yeah. Let's, uh, like uh, Morgan Wallen. Uh, where he was from, like originally where he grew up when he was young, is 15 minutes. Like his, where he lived is like 15 minutes from my house. So he's just like, oh, yeah. And then uh, uh, Rodney Atkins, he was from uh, Powell Valley, which is also like 15, 20 minutes away from me. And uh, actually, uh, my girlfriend, her aunt, or it's, I don't know if it's her aunt, it's, well, it's her dad's cousin. So I guess that's her aunt, but her cousin. Uh, she's, yeah, she's, uh, her dad's first, yeah, her dad's first cousin, but, uh, she was actually, uh, with Rodney Atkins, like right before he got famous. That's, she was his girlfriend for a long time. Damn. And, uh, her dad actually plays with, uh, Dale Ann Bradley, which is a pretty popular bluegrass group. He plays the mandolin for them. And, uh, he's played with Ricky Skaggs and all kinds of people. That's awesome. That's no wonder you're going down the path you're going down, <laughs> especially especially with the vocal range that you've got as well. So you can reach not just those really lows, but even relatively high as well. Whenever I started out, uh, like uh, with music, like where it, uh, well, to where I'm at today anyways, uh, I started out like four or five years old, something like that. Mom was like, uh, taking me to get piano list and, uh, my brother did it too. And, uh, he was actually, uh, doing most of these things like right before I started. Cause I mean, he's just a little bit older, but, uh, 
he would start something and then I wanted to do it <laughs> and ended up playing piano. And I, I kept playing piano for a little while. And it just like, I, know, I mean, I like it and I, I can still play and I play sometimes. Uh, never, I've never played at a show or anything like that. But um, then I, he started playing guitar, but he played electric. Yeah. The, that's actually how I learned. That's what I started on was, was electric. I actually didn't even, I had never played an acoustic guitar until I was probably uh, 15 years old, something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, from there it was all electric. So I was quite a metal head and listened to a lot of, uh, I mean, I could play pretty much. I learned, you know, I've got stacks and stacks and stacks of notebooks full of uh, guitar tabs for pretty much every every classic and hard rock song and metal and stuff like from the 60s up until now. Yeah. So like I've, I've learned a little bit of everything and um, I don't know if you've ever heard of a band called Whitechapel, but they're like a really, uh, they're, they're pretty popular. Like they're, they're really heavy metal, like pretty hardcore stuff. But uh, uh, my guitar teacher, his name's Ben Eller. And uh, I started taking lessons with him when I was seven. And I stayed with him up until like right when I pretty much started into high school. And he, uh, there for a little while, there was like a two month period where he uh, had taken a break because he is really good friends. Like, I guess he grew up around uh, some of the guys that are in Whitechapel. Yeah. Like their son, Bill, I can't remember his last name. And then uh, their lead guitarist is Ben Savage. And uh, they were pretty they were pretty tight. So, uh, Ben Savage ended up going back to college, uh, for a while. And Ben Eller, which was my guitar teacher, went on tour with him and he toured like East coast over here, like on of the States. And, uh, it was like from up in, uh, like new England or Jersey up there and then down to Florida or something. But, uh, he sent me all kinds of pictures, like from every concert he was at it. I thought it was pretty cool, but, uh, I'll show you this. <clears throat> he, uh, he always played a seven-string Ibanez, and uh, I always liked his guitar. And let me look at this before I get it wrong here. Yeah, okay. So he had an RG7421. That's yeah. the model. Or, <clears throat> and this is a 7321. They don't make the 74s. And they had stopped making them then, like whenever he found this one for me. But uh, I always wanted one just like his. I wanted the same pickups and everything, so I actually had him wire these in for me. But um, basically, really the only difference is is he, his is actually uh, one of the true Japanese-made Ibanez guitars, and I think this one's like the Indonesian version. Yeah, this one's Indonesian. And then they make a uh, another one, which is just like uh, – it's pretty much just all about price, I guess, and, uh, you know, quality control, but like some are, some are cheaper than others, just like everything else. But yeah. This actually the guitar that I played for, oh man, probably pretty much most of the time that I was still actually going and taking lessons and, you know, joining bands and stuff. This is the guitar I would have. Other than that, I have a, uh, um, uh, an old Epiphone Les Paul that I played for years and, uh, it's everything in it just stayed the same. And then after that, uh, I actually kind of started a small collection of Les Pauls, which I've got rid of quite a few of them, but I've got some uh, Gibsons over here. Like uh, I've got one that's pretty much, it looks like a, uh, it's styled like the 1952 uh, classic yeah. uh, 
Les Paul Gibson, but it's it's a newer one. And uh, there's like four Epiphones over there. I've got guitars laying everywhere. <laughs> if you, that, and that right there that looks like a banjo. Yeah. It's a banjo. It's a banjo body with a guitar neck. So you play it like a guitar. But no. the funniest is, is I actually have it tuned like a banjo. So it's tuned in open G. Oh, <clears throat> Wow, I've I've never ever seen that before. I'll show you something really crazy. Bottom at this is actually <laughs> a slide guitar that I made a long time ago when I was I was probably like fifteen years old, and it actually had a volume knob too. But this tone knob and the volume knob there, everything was actually wired in, and it worked. But uh, what is that body? A, was uh, it's only got one string, but I all the frets out from I think that's the tenth fret right there, ninth or tenth back up, and uh, it's just got one string. But my very first uh, guitar that I ever got was a pretty cheap one. This is actually the headstock and the the neck from it. Yeah, and this right here is a chicken feed scooper, or just. <laughs> And this is one of the original pickups that was in the Ibanez. This is literally just a block of wood. And uh, I don't even know where I found this bridge at, but it, it just worked. And the guitar actually works, and you can, uh, let's see. Well, it definitely won't work right now because uh, it's missing yeah. the jack. But uh, when the jack plug is on there, you can actually plug it in, and it works. Just like a, it's kind of, it doesn't sound like a steel guitar. But um, that's that, like how I play it, though. Like it just lays sideways like this right here, and just use a slide. Thing is, though, with that chicken scoop, it's got like the perfect angle where it could just rest on your rest on your thigh, nice and easy. That mm -hmm. oh, that's smart. That that's, that's so quirky. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'd love to know it's, what that sounds like. It, it, whenever I. Uh, made that i was like there's you know the whole time i was doing it, i was like there's no way this is gonna work it's just pretty much be like a wall ornament i'll probably just hang it up and uh at first uh the first go around it didn't work because i couldn't uh like the pickup or the uh body of it's made out of metal and you know pickups are like pretty much like the, well they're magnetized they're like kind of work like an electromagnet essentially yeah um to, to pick up the sound i guess but uh where it was like sitting right on the body or that the feed scooper, it wouldn't pick up any sound at all. So basically what I did was there's these screws right here that suspend it up off of it. And the way that it's suspended is around the screw is a spring that yeah. actually holds it up and keeps it off the body. And uh, then I plugged it in, fired it up and it worked. You've got some brains behind you to do that. That's that's clever. That's brilliant. Yeah, very very surprising, but it 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 does work. <laughs> if, if you ever get it, you know, if you ever get a jack input put back onto the slide there, you've got to do an Instagram live or something with it. You've got to give us a little play with it. Yeah, it needs a little bit more work now because it's just kind of been sitting around and uh, been tossed around the room here because like <laughs> little studio right here. And it's just like over the last, you know, probably even five months. I mean, it's everything is completely different in here because before I did not have, I've, which I've got my computer sitting here now. I've got a Mac that I bought and uh, 
before that, this desk and everything wasn't here, which this is where I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of my uh, Facebook live videos or anything that I've been doing, but this is where they happen at. So, but at the same time, my brother, uh, he like, uh, he runs heavy equipment and stuff and we both work here on the farm, but yeah. he also, I do music and work on the farm and stuff and he's in college. So like, but he does a lot of his classes like over the, the computer here. So sometimes I'll come in here and uh, my setup will be here. And uh, sometimes I come in here and uh, kind of like it is right now, there's just clipboard after clipboard of uh, things from his speech classes. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen a couple of your live streams, and they are just out of this world. And I've always been intrigued about your room because it's almost like a treasure trove of just hidden goodies and little hidden gems everywhere. And just looking at it now is just so it's brilliant. That's like my favorite place to go. It's like a kid in the candy store. <laughs> uh, another thing, uh, when I was uh, probably. I'd say, I think I was probably 15 or 16. Uh, <clears throat> well, I'll say this first. When I was really young, I always told my mom I wanted to play a violin or a fiddle. And uh, so there's actually like some pictures over here of uh, just like little paintings of people playing the violin. That's pretty much why she got them. Because uh, I was young and that's what I, I always talked about it. Because I'd sit here at the piano because this piano's never moved since we've lived here. Uh uh, but uh, the, I actually ended up getting a violin when I was like 15 or 16. And I'll tell you something. I I mean, it, it's not very easy to play. I'll, I'll <laughs> say that. Like I, I play like pretty much anything with strings except that, which I mean, I can, you know, kind of piddle around with it and do, I mean, I can make sound, I guess, but it's not very good. Uh, I've, there, I've always heard that it's actually uh the people that live with you while you're learning to play the violin. <laughs> yeah. And that I can, I can 100% believe that. But, oh, um, for sure. That, that is uh, pretty, so true. That thing has not been out of its case in probably uh, probably two or three years. It's just literally sitting under the piano, so it just stays there. You see, when, but, I, was, uh, when I was like five or six you know, years old, that's when mm -hmm. I, I tried playing the violin and my brother always, because my brother's a year younger than me and he got it straight away. I couldn't. I, I love playing the guitar and I love playing on a piano, but violin, I just couldn't do it. Yeah, I can't. I mean, it, I don't know what it is about it. I just never, never stuck. I thought I would like it. Uh, I like the way they look and I love the sound of one, but I, I can't make it do what it's supposed to do. So <laughs> I, I will <laughs> I've I've always got to take my hat off to people like Natalie Stovall who can play you know, like the fiddle and violin and stuff like that you know like like a wizard they're like wizards <laughs> yeah yeah I know it there's uh I'm trying to remember his name uh I've actually seen this guy I cannot remember what his name is but he uh, is an absolute phen uh, phenomenal uh fiddle player and he came to a venue that's actually not very far from where I live right here and uh probably like an hour away and he showed up and played with Ricky Skaggs yeah I'm gonna see if I can <clears throat> look him up here and I'll tell you what his name was but uh the big the biggest you know, artist you know who I knew that could play the fiddle like shit off water was Charlie Daniels he was just oh yeah out of the world 
out of this world. He's great. <clears throat> Get him up here in a minute. See if I can find, uh, figure out what his name is, because you're going to have to check this dude out. He's he's pretty good. And there's like videos of him, uh, like when he was really young and he was playing with, uh, I think it's Chet Atkins or something like that. Yeah. He got Chet Atkins and played with him and uh, some other uh, played with a lot of bluegrass guys too when he was like a little kid, and I mean he he was great when he was like, um, what's the word I'm looking for for somebody that's like really young and like really good, like a savant, like a protege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, um, there's like a video of him when he was like eight years old, and like it would just blow your mind what this kid could do on a fiddle. Something pretty interesting. Now I know what my brother was doing on my computer here. We've got a this farm that I live on here. We've got two farms, and uh, the one I live on here is belongs to the whole family, and uh, which I've got family that lives right down below me here. And uh, me and my brother have our own other farm <clears throat> just a few miles away from here, but we just use it for hay. All my livestock is here. Yeah, but uh, my brother hunt here on this farm and uh he has some trail cameras up in the woods and uh i actually have just now seen something that i don't know if he's seen yet let me show you this this is pretty crazy oh wow the black bear black bear yeah that's yeah when was that when was that taken <laughs> That was uh, the second of this month. So that there it is up in the camera. And there it is walking away. That is crazy. Oh, that's sm- such a smart creature. Yeah. Lethal, but smart. I mean, oh, they're very quiet. I've never seen one in person here where I live. I mean, obviously, they're here now. I know that. <laughs> uh, that picture right there is actually just taken uh, just right across the hill here from where I'm sitting and uh, just up in the woods on the mountain there. Uh, we kind of live on the side of a mountain here, but um, like uh, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge, like Sevierville, Tennessee, like where uh, have you ever heard of like Dollywood and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, they're very well known for having black bears. And the last time I was there, I actually stayed at a cabin uh, with a, a couple buddies of mine, and uh, <laughs> there was a, a car that pulled up outside. And I could see their headlights like shining through the the glass right there in the kitchen. And I was like, I looked at my brother and my friend Corey, and I was like, I wonder, wonder what's going on. I mean, I, I walk outside, and this car is just like going real slow, and then they stop, and they're just like staring like up there where I'm at. And I'm at, I'm on the porch, and at first I was like, you know, this is kind of weird. And I was <laughs> like, you need help or something like that. And they were like, no, look in front of you. Well, I looked down, and uh, another guy that was standing there, his name's Seth. He had uh, parked his little truck right in front of the uh, cabin and had it backed in towards the porch. And he had trash in the back of it. And I looked down, and there's like a, a big bear in the back of his truck pulling the trash out of the bags, and then it just runs off with the bag whenever I saw it. But the craziest thing is, I don't know if it had like a, like mange or some kind of skin disease, but this bear had like literally no hair on its back at all. Really? Kind of creepy looking, honestly. It kind of looked like a zombie bear, but uh, that is yeah, that mental. closest being to one like in person. That's as close as I've ever gotten. But see, that's like mm, 
they uh, you can actually pretty much before you see a bear uh i've been told that you can smell them before you see them and i absolutely believe that because <laughs> once i noticed what was going on i can't i can, just thinking about it right now i can still remember what that bear smells like but uh it was like i mean i could have reached out and kicked it i mean that's how close it was yeah i was just standing right over top of it and i had no clue it was there they're very quiet when you realize that it's actually like down right by your feet do you like kind of like crap yourself thinking damn <laughs> that close when i saw it i was like uh i didn't know what to think and i just turned around and i opened the door and i yelled inside and i said hey uh seth there's a bear in your truck dude and he was like seriously he come running out there and uh i mean the first thing he's thinking he's like well uh, I'm sure he he thought, you know, there's nothing I can do about it now. I might as well get a good video of it. So <laughs> I got a video of the bear jumping out because when we all came back out, we spooked it because, I mean, you got like six dudes running out towards one bear in the back of a truck, and then it looked up, and then it took off running. But Seth actually had a video of it on his phone. But it ran over and right uh, probably, uh, I'd say like 100 feet through the woods, there's another cabin. Uh, which there's just like lines up, up up the side of this mountain. So, I mean, it's not like a really, it's really not even that much of a secluded area. Yeah. Uh, and you're at, if you were to go to the front of the cabin, you can see over into the city from, from there, from, you know, it's not much of a city. Like, it's not like anything like Nashville or anything like that, but you can definitely see over into town from there. So you're not, you know, it's not like you're so far away, like there's phone service and everything. So, I mean, it's, it's not like that, but. Oh, that's, I couldn't even just, we never get anything like that over here. I mean, we might get the occasional bear in one of our forests, but nothing mm-hmm. like, you know, as regular as that. That's that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of awesome, that. I mean, yeah. it could be quite scary, but. Yeah. What's the uh, scariest encounter that you've been through then? Do what? What's the scariest encounter you've ever had then? One of the scariest things is um, something that's actually fairly harmless for the most part, uh, just depending on which one of these two actually probably made the sound. But have you ever heard the sound that a bobcat makes? Yes. That squeal? Yeah. And uh, I've been in positions before where I had like two on like both sides, like I'd be like down in a hollow or something or on the ridge on the side of the mountain over here. And they'll, you know, they'll, they'll go back and forth, but, um, but see, that's, you know, they're not necessarily going to hurt you. Uh, they just sound like they are. I mean, that, that sound itself is to make most people like somebody that didn't know what they were hearing, they would definitely run. But, um, we've also got mountain lions here too, and they make a pretty similar sound, but it's a lot louder. And it's actually like, it sounds more human like than a bobcat. Yeah. And uh, right after sometimes like when they uh they squall or whatever, it kind of sounds like they're laughing right after. So there was a night that uh me and my brother and a couple buddies of mine, we'd been uh we were having a pretty good time. And uh we ended up down here in the hollow behind the house. So um my brother's driving around and ends up driving his truck into like this little creek and he got stuck. And, uh, the harder he tried to get out, he just could pretty much dug a hole. So he was overnight and uh, we ended up having to have a, uh, a bigger truck come pull him out the next day. 
uh, with a winch on it. But um, anyways, we're kind of standing around and I didn't hear it at first. And my brother comes over there. He said, uh, did you hear something that sounded like a woman screaming? I said, no. And uh, then I kind of heard something like it was like off in the distance. I was like, that's just a bobcat. And he was like, no, it was, uh, he said like, that's, I heard it back there. And then I hear it here. And then it started laughing. And I was like, you're crazy. No <laughs> way. So, but back here behind this, way back in there, there used to be a house back there. Like I say, I mean, it's, it's completely gone. Now you, the only way that you would be able to tell that it was there is because there's like a little flat spot, but see like where this was at, this is like extremely secluded, like back in there. When you get like back here off on my farm, like you'll lose phone service, everything. Like there's pretty much no way. If you get, if you get lost on this mountain, you probably need to climb a tree and take a look around. You can see a road and then just walk that direction. Yeah. But, um, there was a house back there years ago and, uh, the lady, there was a woman that lived in it and she had two sons I don't know anything about uh, the father or whatever, but she had moved here from up north and uh, lived back there. And this was like late 1800s when she came there. And um, the house has been gone, which it really wasn't much of a house is what my mom has told me and uh, some other people, but uh, more more along the lines of a shack or something, just something that they put up <laughs> just to stay out of the rain, I guess. But yeah. they were, so they made, a lot of moonshine and that's where they made their money. And, uh, apparently, uh, the government had caught up with her and they actually, supposedly they went back that they went back there where she was at to uh, burn the house down because they had the steel inside the house and, uh, she was in it and they didn't know or something. So apparently she died. And obviously that's not a very good death. Uh, no, <laughs> But uh, anyways, uh, so I've also heard stories that she that it's like that area right there is like supposed to be haunted or something. But like thinking of uh, all of that and then hearing this after my brother told me that it was like making a laughing sound. And this was before that I knew uh, mountain lions did that. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I'm standing there and I was like, everybody just be quiet for a minute. And I hear it, and it was like, it literally, it was so loud that it sounded like it was like standing right next to us. So, and then like right after, it sounds, I mean, it's so human sounding. It's crazy. And then it like it actually sounds like it's laughing, like this evil witch laugh or something. And uh, I'm like, I, I froze. I was like, and I looked at Matt, and I was like, um, I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to be the guy in the movie that's like, let's go check it out, even though you know you're probably going to die. But uh don't want to just stand here. I mean, I'd like to know what that is. Well, it keeps going and going and going. And uh, we walk back there. And Matt's, my brother's got his, uh, he actually had a uh, a headlight that he has that, uh, that we use for coon hunting and stuff. Yeah. And it's specifically meant to be used looking into trees and stuff. So he hands it on his head, turns it on. We're looking around. And, uh, I say, uh, you can, you can change the color of the light. Yeah. Uh, and on what you're looking for, because certain animals can't see certain colors. Uh, as far as cats go, I have no idea, but 
I said, I mean, the general rule of thumb is that most animals don't see green or red light. Yep. And uh, so I said, just turn one of those on. We were looking around and then I see eyes like turn up in this tree and it looked down. And I said, uh, Matt, look up there. And he turns the big light on and right there on the side of that tree. And I mean, it's what's, I don't know why it was doing this, but it was like not on a limb or anything. It was like wrapped around the tree pretty much like it was hugging the tree, hanging on like it was a mountain lion. And dude, this thing was like from its back feet to the top. I mean, it had to be like five and a half, six feet. Oh no. Standing up. So I mean, it was a big one too. And uh, it's just sitting there and it's looking at us. And then it's like, it made that noise again. I was like, well, there's the answer to that problem. (laughs) You know, for future reference then, oh damn, that's, I'd crap myself. I really would. (laughs) My brother ended up over the hill one night over there when he was younger. And uh, he was actually, uh, he turkey hunts a lot. So he was kind of scouting out. uh, I think he was looking for a new spot. So he actually walked over the mountain over there and then down in this other hollow uh, behind where I used to live down here. We've actually moved like two or three times uh, over the over the years, but every time we've moved, it's been on the same property because <laughs> we've got a lot of property right here, the family does. So every time we move, we've actually been on the same farm, just in a different spot. <laughs> he He was down in the hollow back there. And, uh, he called me and he was like, and he was like freaking out. Uh, it was kind of hard not to laugh at him because like, I don't know why he was so scared, but I mean, I, I mean, I'm saying that it was, uh, he didn't have a reason to be, but, uh, I, I don't know. I think he just panicked because what it was, was he had his shotgun with him and he had just left it sitting up where he normally hunts at. He just landed up against a tree and just walked on his own and went down there, but he had a bow with him. And which, I mean, if you're in a, a dangerous situation, uh, especially at night, that bow's not going to be very much help to you uh, and got some kind of fight or something. Well, he, he ends up down there and he was, uh, I guess he was like leaned up against the tree is what he told me. And I'm on the phone and he said, uh, will you and uh, Uncle Beach will come over here and uh, bring some guns over here because there's like coyotes all around me. And I'm like, well, they're probably not going to bother you. He said, no, but like I hear something else running around and it sounds a lot heavier. So I'm, you know, I'm like, okay, well, there's a bear now. And uh, a bear will mess with you, especially if it's a sow, like a female. If there's cubs around and you're down there, you're you're going to get hurt. Yeah. But uh most part, coyotes won't really mess with you. Uh, I've seen, uh, I know of a few times that uh, coyotes have come around people, but they usually don't do it unless there's a bunch of them. Uh, for the most part, they're absolutely terrified of people. But um, they really were. We went over there, and I rode with my uncle over there on his four-wheeler, and we went up in the woods, and I could hear Matt down there, and he's yelling, uh, trying to make sure that we knew where he was. And I had uh, I turned a flashlight on, and I look around, and there had to be like, 20, maybe 30 coyotes that were standing up above him. They never really got down there near him, but they were standing up there and they were just staring right down there at him. I don't know why. It was very strange, but... Um, that is crazy. That's all that. And he said he heard something bigger running around or like it sounded like it was making more noise. I never saw it, but uh, 
obviously now I know that right here in this that specific spot where he was at, that, that picture I was showing you of that bear, that's just like uh, 200 feet away from that spot, just right up on top of the hill from that. So there's definitely bears there. Just shows, you know, how quickly, it's, you know, a situation can just turn. You know, if, yeah. if I just couldn't imagine having not having a gun with me. Really couldn't. <laughs> Rookie error that. Yeah. What's your go back to the instruments in where you've in the room that you're in at the moment. Now you showed me the seven string guitar. What is the uh, note layout for that? Because normally for a guitar it's top E bottom E. Yeah. What what's uh, it for a seven? Uh seven strings will have an extra low B string on top. So it's just the octave of your B, just like the E is for the ah. low E and, and then a step up and then you've got the extra low B. Ah. That's so it's so smart. Let me uh did you hear what it sounds right here? So, like, you'll have uh, just a regular E chord. And a B. Yeah. So that's, like, more for, you know, meant for metal and stuff like that. What's your favorite track to play on that, then? Huh? What's your favorite track to play on that? This, uh, I played, um, well, for the most part, I don't really use uh, that B string very much um, for the way songs are actually played, but I actually uh, like playing this guitar, like taking songs that are like originally um, in a standard key and actually trying to integrate the B string into that. So like kind of make it like more of a metal version of itself. Oh, like there's not uh, necessarily a lot of songs out there that are uh, just entirely played on seven strings, but um, you know, for me, I think it makes it a lot easier if there is. You yeah. Know? And once I got used to having a seven string, it actually feels really weird to play a six string electric. Yeah. So like I'm to the um, uh, E string being the second string. That I actually sometimes I'll actually play things like down lower than what or higher than what they should be like. So like if I'm, you know, what I would normally do like playing an E chord on that when I get on uh, a six string, I'll be playing A. So, damn, you must have assumed that the second string is the E. Your hands must be huge to be able to, <laughs> to wrap that, around the neck of that. Somewhat, yeah, the. Uh, uh, it's wide. It is very wide, but they, uh, they're thinner, a little bit thinner than a, a normal neck on a guitar. I've actually played an eight string, which is, uh, just another string added on top. It's a G string added on top. So it's, you know, all octaves. Uh, I've played one. They are absolutely ridiculous, but they, <laughs> the, it's pretty cool. They look cool. Uh, I, I don't really see a reason to need any more than that seven string though, but, um, um, Why not? Yeah, I've, I've seen some stuff. I've even I've seen some uh, people actually even go as far as to uh, 
have the strings closer together, like the distance between the strings closer together. Yeah. And I've guitar, and it's, you know, it was a 12 string guitar, but it wasn't like a normal 12 string acoustic, like where the, the strings are literally like touching just actual octaves of each other. It was just two entire octaves of a six string guitar completely separate from each other. That's mental. Oh, I couldn't even begin. I mean, I can barely play a guitar as it is. I mean, I love guitars, but I mean, mm. I mean you know, you was, you were saying earlier, you know, how you started with electric guitars. Now, if you can master an electric guitar, you know, you can pretty much master an acoustic. Yeah. Because, I mean, really? with, with electrics and the pickups, you know, you there's more chance of making errors and people noticing those errors because yeah. it'll pick it up. That, 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 that's the yeah. point of a pickup. You know, Absolutely. whereas acoustic, you can kind of mellow it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, uh, you know, for the past several years, me being in country music and stuff and doing what I do now, uh, obviously, I mean, I've not put put electric down or anything, but uh, I don't play it near as much as I did before. So after playing acoustic for so long now, and I actually, when I play acoustic, it's very rare that I use a pick. I finger pick most of what I do. Even if I'm strumming, I actually just, you know, use my fingers. But um, going to... Uh, from a acoustic to an electric, I feel like it was like it, now I'm like very rusty with some things and just exactly like what you were saying, like the, the things that you're used to doing on an acoustic that are just kind of mellowed out for you, like the little sounds that you don't hear. Yeah. It, man, played acoustic for years and you've not touched an electric. As soon as you pick that thing up, like you're like wondering, man, I barely even moved. Why is this? Why? I mean, why? <laughs> ringing or something like that like you hear everything like just one little touch of the string and it's you know a buzz or something but yeah yeah, absolutely so let's go to newton eon where i mean i've got the i've got the what the aristo you know sent me you know rachel hobbs so they've explained that you know the whole premise behind um, Newton Neon. So I'll give it a I'll give it a quick read out what I've got here in front of me. So it says Newton Neon is a storytelling ballad of a straight laced girl trying to find her way through the bright lights of New uh, of Music City. The music video follows the heroine throughout her journey because you've now released a music video as well. Yeah. Why? What, what I want to know though is when you're writing a song. Where where do you get these ideas from? Like, where do you pluck them all from? With that song, I actually didn't write that one. That song is written by uh, Brian Callahan and Phil O'Donnell. Ah. Their, uh, Phil O'Donnell is a, a pretty big songwriter down there. But my last uh, release was an original single. Stronger than that. But uh, either way, with songwriting, uh, I actually was introduced to a, a gentleman named... Uh, Steve O'Brien and I do a lot of co-writes with him and stuff like that. And, uh, before going to Nashville and really getting involved in all of this, I actually didn't really consider myself much of a songwriter and still really don't that much. But, um, uh, I've been asked before if I had any advice for like, uh, like new artists and stuff like that, or somebody that wants to get into it and actually, you know, make a career out of it being an independent artist anyways, absolutely start writing music. That is the key to being successful in this business. 
or just being a songwriter in general. And I've got a lot of respect for songwriters because it ain't easy. Yeah. That's for I mean, I, I've, I've always tried to have a dabble and I can never seem to get the words out in a, in a relatively melodic way. If you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like, you know, you can say story and you know, I can tell stories, you know, till my tongue turns blue, but yeah. you know, make it. to make it sound good is just something else, mm-hmm. but stronger, uh, stronger than that does sound good. It sounds more yeah. than good. Is, me and uh, me and Steve O'Brien co-wrote that song. What? <clears throat> what is it? What do you do then when you sit down? You know, with like Steve O'Brien, and then say, "Okay, then let's write a song." You know, I need to get a song written. What we kind of um, we kind of throw some ideas together, and uh, like if he's thought of something, or if I've thought of something since the last time uh, we had a song right. I mean. We'll, kind of just write it all down on paper and uh, pretty much just sit there and stare at it <laughs> almost and uh, just try to think of something. And uh, uh, a lot of it is uh, trying to find that uh, free space in your mind where you can kind of let uh, like uh, if your, your creativity flow, I guess just, it's not like, uh, it's kind of hard to explain. Like, you don't want to be so relaxed that you're going to, you know, sit there and fall asleep. But, because, um, you know, you got to you gotta keep your mind running at the same time. But um, I don't know. Uh, for me, anyways, that's, that's kind of what I do. Uh, Steve probably has maybe a little bit different process. But uh, that's also something I thought was... Uh, really interesting that I've, that I've noticed since being in Nashville is like, obviously artists all have different styles and uh, different sounds and stuff, but songwriters and people that are only songwriters have completely different styles of, you know, what they write and what it sounds like. And, uh, and some of them aren't even musicians and that's something that's completely, you know, you know, just sounds crazy to me that there's people out there that can't play, like any instrument whatsoever, but they write just really good music. They do. I don't know how that, I mean, I just kind of want, I want to know what their thought process is, like what's going through their head when they're thinking of these things. So, uh, I mean, you're like, I don't know if that would benefit somebody that's a musician or, or not, because I mean, they, they've got to have a completely different mindset about it. So, I mean, just speaking to you tonight, well, this afternoon for you, um, there's so many different song ideas straight in what we've talked about already. I mean, just that coyote story. That, yeah. There must be at least three songs in there alone. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of lines anyways. It's not a, and see, that's the thing. There's so many things, especially in country music that you could, that you can write about. It's just making it lyrical. You know what I mean? Like there, there's so many stories, but like turning it into to song lyrics is uh is the line that's drawn. Now, the great thing with Stronger Than That, it actually made it into the top 50 of the Music Row chat. Yeah. What's it like when you actually read that it's made, made it into the top 50? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy because I, I don't know, like I, I didn't uh, expect 
that at all. Uh, and at the time, you know, I didn't even understand how it all worked. Uh, but um, pretty much like right after the song was released, uh, the people from Grassroots and Aristo and stuff, they they send me like reports and stuff and show me, you know, how, how it's doing and what they're doing with it and everything. And uh, actually getting on like my computer here or my phone and going to the Music Row website and like seeing my name like right there on the front page that was that was something else i mean that i don't really know how to explain that kind of feeling because like at the same time uh uh well i don't even know i don't even know where i'm going with that but um i I know what you're saying though because you want to say you know you feel so fantastic but for me whenever i see my name somewhere you know and i don't expect it my stomach drops it's like what really i shouldn't be on there yeah yeah but yeah, I totally get that. I mean, end of the day, all your songs so far, I've just blown out of the blown out of the park. You know, I mentioned earlier, you know, the fantastic range your voice has. Just the musical component, you know, the, the whole guitars behind each track. I mean, stronger than that is more of a partier song. Mm-hmm. But you've got that classic country feel to your music as well. And you know, it'd be interesting to see what you'd be like as a blue, you know, bluegrass yeah. artist. Yeah, I've played, uh, I mean, I've played with a lot of uh, bluegrass artists around here and stuff, which uh, most of the time, actually, like if it's just me and my friends hanging out and stuff or something, or if I go somewhere and they're like playing music and stuff, 90% of the time around here, it's going to be bluegrass. Um, and I like bluegrass. In fact, uh, Give me just a second. I'll show you something. I was uh, talking about a few minutes ago about uh, seeing this guy that played the fiddle. I I can't remember his name. I'd pull him up here. Uh, Or if I could find him. But when I went to see that, uh, Ricky Skaggs' show, and uh, I had, I think I was like 13 or 14, and uh, this right here was um, one of the first, if, no, I think, yeah, this was the first acoustic, no, it's not. I had one acoustic before this, and then uh, my mom got me this one. She got it for me and my brother both. Because this is not a cheap guitar by any means. This is a uh, a Martin D twenty eight, and uh, she put some money together and got this for me and my brother when we were about that age or uh, a little younger. Because I, which I had actually stuck my my brother ended up he he quit taking lessons, but he can still play guitar, and uh, he's actually pretty good at it. He just doesn't you know play much music at all anymore. But um, anyways, at the show uh, after it was all done. Uh, Ricky Skaggs was out in the lobby of this venue uh, signing stuff for people like shirts and uh, CDs and whatnot. And uh, I I told my mom, I was like, man, I wish I could have brought my guitar so he could have signed it. And she said, uh, and she just kind of looked at me and she was like, I think we could make that happen. And I was like, how? She was like, well, I can uh, see if, uh, um, 
she was talking about her sister, uh, but my aunt, uh, Wanda, yeah. right there, that I can get her to bring your guitar down here. And I think we were, I think it's in Knoxville or Kodak or something like that. I can't remember where it was, but um, they ended up bringing it. And me and my brother had walked over there and we, we got to talk to Ricky for a second and we told him what we were doing. And uh, he said, uh, okay. And he said he would wait for my aunt to bring the guitar, which by this time, it was just us left, like everybody <laughs> on. We were all just sitting around there, and uh, sure enough, she brought it, and she brought another one that I had, and Ricky oh, signed it. Wow, that that take that's that's some humble guy that is to hang around. Yeah. You know, it just shows that true dedication to to the fans. Yeah. And I've got another one right here on it. Uh, let's see, it's been about I think probably two years ago, something like that. Now. Uh, a really good family friend of ours has a, a big farm uh, not very far from here. And uh, he uh, calls my mom one morning and he said, uh, there's a guy over here that's come to hunt. And uh, he says he's like a, a, a big country star or something. And uh, I don't know who he, who he is, which at the, at the time, this guy that called my mom, he's an older guy, and he, but he, he didn't know who it was. And, uh, well, anyways, my mom comes running in my room and this is like, uh, it's like six 30 in the morning, six 37 in the morning. I'm not even up for work at that time uh, there. So I don't usually go to work till nine, but, um, I jump up and she said, uh, she said, Craig Morgan is at Toppy's house. And that's what we call him. He, everybody calls him Toppy, but, uh, and I was like, wait, Craig Morgan, like the country, the real Craig Morgan. She said, yeah, he's there. He went there to hunt. And I was like, you're joking. She said, no, he's up there. He's turkey hunting. <laughs> so I jumped up and I've got a picture with him. And uh, I took off, went to his house. And uh, pretty much right when I got there, uh, Craig was walking back out of the woods with this turkey thrown off his back. <laughs> he sits down, pictures. And I, as soon as, you know, at this time I wasn't going to, you know, make him wait around for somebody to bring this guitar. I threw it right in the car and I was like, right down the road I went. Yeah. But he oh, got it as well. It oh, wow. Yeah. So this one's got two signatures on it. That is summer. Oh, say, you know, very soon you'll be able to sign that and then sell that for some big money. Yeah. Damn, that that's some serious nostalgia there for you. That that's some serious, you know, it's memories. That's lovely. Yep. yep. And I'm loving the uh, mixing board as well behind you. Oh yeah, it's pretty old, old piggy. What? Uh, actually, the uh, funny thing about that is, it's actually a uh, what do you call it? A uh, oh, what's the word? Well, either way, like it's one of the ones that you can, you know, use it for shows, and you can actually use it for recording music. So it's actually got something for like the uh, forty-eight volt Phantom, yes, or whatever Phantom volts, yes. And uh, uh, which I've never, I have a studio mic, I just don't ever, I've not done anything with it yet. And uh, that was uh, a band that I was previously in. That was our board that we use for shows and everything and uh when we stopped playing i actually and the speakers as well back there i went over there and i said uh you know 
we using these anymore at all? Or uh, if not, I mean, I'll buy them and I'll take them. He said, uh, you can just have them. I'm never going to, I mean, anymore. If I do anything, I'm going to buy some new stuff. And I was like, okay, so here it is. And I've actually been using these since the first show that I played myself. Like when I started singing and stuff, uh, that's what I've always used. But I mean, that it's not very fun to, you know, for one person to carry all this though. But, uh, I mean, it works. It's never, it's always been there when I needed it. Been, been a reliable setup. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many track levels is there on that, on the board itself? Is that 16? 16, yeah. Damn. I mean, I've got a, just below me down here, I've got a eight level, you know, an eight input board here just so i can do like different mics and so when i do actually start to branch out when we can actually see each other because of this whole coronavirus pandemic you know it'd be great to plug in the different mics right here there's still a piece of uh uh painter's tape yeah masking here with the names of everybody from the band so that's our that was our lead singer that's the bass player there's me and it says mike Okay, no, yeah, that is, yeah, well, that that's me if I had a mic. Uh, delay, that was the that was the two for the bass. So this is the bass player, and that was his mic if he were to do backup vocals. Yeah. Synthesizer, there's my brother, and he when he played piano, uh, their uh, left and right lead guitar that was for me, and uh, I had a cousin that played um, piano as well and uh, guitar, and. Uh, the funniest thing is this right here is, I mean, it has drums on it, but the uh, <laughs> reason why there's not a name on that is because probably just like every other band that starts out, it is impossible to keep a drummer. Yeah. Within within like the two years that this band was together, uh, I think we had like six <laughs> Oh, wow. Damn. That, that is, that's some going though, six. Yeah. I mean, normally it's like three or four, max. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's it like yeah. then trying to rehire a new drummer? Do you have to like, kind of like beg and plead, please come play for us? There was actually, it was just like the first two that I actually had any involvement with getting them to come. And then after that, I just pretty much, I kind of gave up on it. And I was like, you know, if we're going to keep doing this, uh, I wasn't necessarily, uh, in charge of everything. But, uh, I told him, I was like, you know, if we're going to keep doing this, somebody's going to have to step up here and, uh, find us a drummer that's going to actually do this because the thing is, is it's every time we were losing a drummer, like it was like at the worst time possible. Like every time we had shows booked and stuff like that, or like if there was like one show that everybody needed to be there for the drummer never came. Yeah. Had one guy that the first one he stayed with us for a, for a while. He was that he stayed longer than any of them. But uh, we had a show that we played, and it was like it was like a benefit show for a uh, the school. It's like a school kind of uh, boarding school almost kind of thing. Uh, but it's uh, it's called Kingswood. And, uh, like they're completely nonprofit and stuff like that. So we were going to go play a show there for these kids and, uh, which it's not all, uh, not necessarily kids. They're a lot, mostly teenagers and stuff, but, um, we had to play a show there, uh, and he just never showed up. And, 
none of us ever heard from him again. Not a phone, not a text message, nothing. Like he just like fell off the face of the earth. That is frustrating. That must you must be like kicking yourself, thinking, "Oh, great, here goes another one." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And at the time, some of the stuff we were, you know, the stuff we were playing, like you know, we needed a drama. I mean, it's possible to do it without it, but um, you know, then you put a lot of stress on the bass player because now he's, you know, keeping me in time. Yeah, and then I mess up. Uh, the crash of a drum does not cover that up. <laughs> You know, oh, we could nightmare. do, but you know, like I said, at that time, I didn't even play acoustic. I mean, I could, I, you know, but I never did. All electric. But that, that's, I, I feel it for you. I feel it for you. I really do. Cause that, that's just so, oh, you just want to wrangle them around the neck. Just say, what are you doing? Give them a slap. Oh, yeah. No. So, New Tinion, it's out now. Music video's out now on YouTube. Where can we? Where can the listeners find you on social media? Okay, uh, my Instagram is the Andrew Hobson. Um, I've actually been trying to work on building that up some because I don't really actually post very much on there or as much as I should. Uh, Facebook is where most of the following has come from, but Facebook is also Andrew Hobson. Uh, there's two of them because I've still got a personal account and then there's the uh, official Andrew Hobson account and uh, there's not really a good way of explaining it. Uh, what the difference between the two is, I guess you just have to pick one and look at it. Either way, both of them have everything on there uh, that you would need as far as like links go to uh, downloading and streaming the music and where you can find it and, and uh, venues and stuff that I'll be playing at and whatnot and uh, Twitter is um, I think there's an Andrew Hobson official Twitter now uh, as well, and uh, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. But yeah. other than that, uh, I have a website, just andrewhobson.com. You can look it up on Google, Yahoo, Bing. I, people still use Bing, I guess, but, <laughs> um, you know, find it on there or just search it, whichever way it works. And uh, on there, it has links to everything and uh, a list of venues, which – Probably is non-existent right now because, uh, to my best knowledge, I don't think I have anything booked at all at the moment. So that—that's the issue with at the moment. It's just there's nothing. There's not, especially yeah. here in the UK because we're in a second lockdown now, and we're not allowed yeah. to go to any form of like pub or you know we can't go for a drink anywhere. So mm-hmm. live music has just been quashed again for another month, yeah. and it's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, it's so frustrating. But thank you for coming on anyhow and taking your time out of your afternoon and getting to chat to me. I've really enjoyed these stories. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed talking to you too. <laughs> thank you for coming on. And yeah, everybody check out New to Neon. It's such a fantastic track. And just everything else as well, stronger than that. And Paint the Town Redneck, just A-class. I really recommend everybody to listen. Thank you for coming on and thank you everybody for listening tonight. It's been fantastic being able to share this with you all. Take care and I'll see you all next time. Bye for now. That was the Country Chat Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chat on all things country music.